Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, for those of you who this may be your first time at Contemporary Worship, welcome to Contemporary Worship. Uh, you had a chance to hear from our Virginia Road band, and Jenny Jones is just amazing. It's like a concert every time we come here. So. We are so blessed to have such great musical talent throughout the church. Our text of scripture this morning comes from uh, the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. It's a little, uh, several chapters known as the Last Discourse, as Jesus is preparing his followers for his departure. And the 17th chapter is his prayer for those who will follow him, his disciples in that day and in every day subsequent to that day. So I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. Jesus praying to the Father says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they've received them and know in truth that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. So I'm asking on their behalf, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a story about four pastors who were sitting around talking about their favorite translation of the Bible. One said, you know, my my favorite's the King James Version. It's poetic language. It's that sort of archaic English language. And I just love the poetry of the King James Version. And another one said, you know, mine is the American Standard. Uh, The American Standard is just a more accurate translation of the Greek and the Hebrew. And so I like that accuracy. 
And the third one said, no, mine is the new revised standard version because it's, it's more recent than the American standard and it's included all the discoveries of the Dead Sea Scrolls from the 1940s and 50s. The fourth pastor was just sitting there and they turned to him and said, well, what's your favorite translation? And he said, you know, my favorite translation is, my, is the translation that my mother provided. And they said, well, what are you talking about? Your mother has translated the Bible? He said, yeah, she translated it into life. And it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. Now, I hope you had a mother like that. I hope you are a mother like that, or a father, or a friend, or a partner. And I know that the Lord our God, the creator who made us, loves us with an unconditional love, with that sense of sacrificial love that we have known in our lives through others and through our mothers. We all belong to the family of our Lord. We are all children of God, and we, that love is available to us. And because of that, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're meant to walk beside one another in life. By the power of God's love, we can even find that love that we need to become a truly loving parent. Not always easy. So today we give thanks for mothers and we, we give thanks for those who nurture others. We give thanks for family heritage. And we work together to extend the love of Christ to those who are distant from their families, to those who are without families, to those who come from broken families. And the need has never been greater for the church to be an extended family. Now, my mother was kind of a remarkable and accomplished woman. She's still living. She has Alzheimer's now. But she raised five children while completing graduate school and working full-time. So I grew up in a home where we had two working parents before that became really fashionable. She was very active in politics throughout the turbulence of the 1960s and 70s and beyond. In our hometown of Minneapolis, Minnesota and St. Paul, she uh, ended up as the head of the Metropolitan Health Board. She served on the Board of Governors for the University of Minnesota. There's an annual lecture in the nursing school at the University of Minnesota in my mother's name. But sometimes her passion for others and her passion for her work meant that she kind of overlooked the needs of her children. On one occasion, it was probably in the lead-up to the 1968 elections, which was a controversial time in history. She was downtown Minneapolis at a political convention, and she had recently given birth to my little sister in 1966. So my, my little sister was probably less than a year old at this point. And uh, she had left this one-year-old in the care of my other sister, who was seven or eight years old at the time. So somebody at this convention, knowing that my mother had just delivered, asked, you know, 
who's watching your newborn child? And she replied, well, my eight-year-old daughter. When that other woman looked horrified at this idea, my mother decided she better call home, find out if everything's all right. If my youngest sister could have spoken, she might have said to my mom, is this a good idea, seriously? I mean, you really think leaving me with her is a good idea? Well, this is, of course, before the days of cell phones, as, uh, as Bong was talking about earlier, you know, that you had to go out of the convention hall. You had to find the bank of public phones, wherever that might have been. You hoped that you had at least a dime because a local call was, uh, was 10 cents in those days. And uh, you, if you were really desperate, you could call the operator and maybe try a collect call. But anyway, she made the phone call, no answer. Now her imagination is running wild. She called again, no answer. She called again, no answer. She just kept calling, and finally, my sister answered the phone. Where were you? Is everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. Why didn't you answer the phone? Well, I was changing the baby, and you told me never to leave the baby on the changing table when she was there, and so I had to continue. Whew. I mean, it worked out. Uh, this, this is the kind of thing that I imagine you could be arrested for today, right? Um, but, but in those days, we did all sorts of things you'd be arrested for these days. I mean, we didn't even have seatbelts in cars in those days, right? So it was a, just a completely different day. Um, so I'm not advocating for this, you understand. Uh, but our text this morning has Jesus leaving the disciples and his followers in one another's care with a prayer that God the Father will protect them. Seriously, is this a good idea? We've been left in each other's care? Wouldn't it be better if Jesus were actually present in some way? I mean, they, they must have felt when they heard that this was Jesus' plan, that this was like, seriously? This is your plan? Have you seen us? Do you know us? Now, there's this kind of otherworldly love that becomes available to them and through them by God's grace. Another woman in history, Monica, was known for her effectiveness and her tenacity. She was born in the year 332 in North Africa. And her family was nobility, but not particularly wealthy. She showed an early desire for things eternal. She was often given to prayer. She often found herself at church. And she had this intense concern for the poor, so much so that sometimes she even saved some of her own food from her own plate to share with the poor. At age 22, she was married to a man who was more than twice her age. That was less her idea than her parents. She was a Christian. He was not. She was pious. He was not. And her biographer says that 
Her marriage condemned her to a lifelong martyrdom. And if that wasn't enough, soon after she married, her mother-in-law moved in with her. And even though her husband was annoyed by her constant praying and her interest in charities, she quietly continued these expressions of her faith and devotion. And her devotion to her children was equally impressive. She had three children, two boys and a girl. She prayed that God would help her as a parent to raise them well. At the birth of her first child, she dedicated him to the Lord in a religious ceremony that involved making the sign of the cross on his forehead, but it didn't involve baptism. That was postponed until a later time. She molded her son's mind and spirit from his earliest days, but he revolted against his studies. He refused to apply himself. He lied. He deceived his parents. He stole from them. He cheated. It was as if he embodied the very conflict between his mother and his father. Monica continued to love him and to pray for him. He went off to school. He was exceedingly bright, but he didn't let that affect the way that he lived. He became involved with a woman who soon became pregnant. And a son was born to them, though unmarried. Monica was heartbroken. She wept, and even today, there is a feast day on the 4th of May in the Roman Catholic Church, in her honor, the tears of a Christian mother. Monica's son, who was to become one of the greatest intellects of Christian faith, St. Augustine, finally came around. Augustine was always quick to say that it was his mother who led him to Christian faith. Quote, Yes, Lord, if I am your servant, it's because I am the son of your handmaiden. And to my mother, to her prayers and merits, I owe all that I am. And if I love truth above all else and for its sake would lay down my life, for this I am indebted to my mother, whose prayers God could not withstand. It was on Easter Sunday, 387, that Augustine was baptized. It was the same year his mother died, Monica. Twice, through great labor, she had given birth to her son. Once into this world and once into the next. We're meant to live in this world focused on the one that is to come. We're meant to be otherworldly, and we're meant to be empowered by an otherworldly love known to us through Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would later write these rather well-known words, and perhaps you've heard this before. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. These words were no empty words for Augustine. He knew what restlessness was all about. 
in his early life. Augustine knew from personal experience what it meant to be restless in life. And his mother's love and faithfulness made a huge difference for him. She continued to dream big. She continued to invest in her son despite his rather limited early response. And we all know that the labor of childbirth is really the only the beginning of the labor that mothers encounter in life as they raise their children. Monica was focused not only on this world, but the one to come. She loved him all the way into the next world. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us parents have had that kind of experience where we've had the birth of our first child. We've successfully navigated the insurance and the labor room and the delivery room and all of that. And the day comes where we're going through the discharge process at the hospital. And usually it, it involves an orderly with a wheelchair that takes mom and baby down to the door where the car is waiting. Dad is there. And you just have this sense. Do you know what you're doing? You can't send this baby home with us. We don't know what we're doing. Have you really thought about this seriously? You're going to leave this child in our care? Despite the birthing classes, the parenting classes, we know we're unqualified to be parents. And yet, apparently, God has confidence in us. And so does the hospital staff, or at least they're ready to be done with us. So did our families. And with great responsibility comes the opportunity to rise to the occasion. Jesus somehow in this prayer leaves us in the care of one another and prays for our unity and for the unity of all those who will follow. Sadly, that unity often eludes us in the church as we splinter and we fracture into a thousand different denominations. Even within our church, we too often criticize one another rather than assisting one another. We are meant to walk alongside one another through this life and into the next one. And some of life just has difficult terrain. We deal with challenges that are just crushing sometimes. The loss of loved ones. Disappointments in life. Difficulties in raising our children together. This time of year, we're in the midst of recruiting for volunteers for our Sunday school program, for our youth programs. Uh, some of you may have been contacted by our officer nominating committee that's recruiting people to serve as elders and deacons and officers in our foundation. We have a need for people to sing with the Virginia Road Band or to sing in our choir. We have a need for people to help with the preparation of communion elements when we have communion or to take care of the flowers in the sanctuary or here in the fellowship hall. It takes all of us working together to care for one another. Love requires that we make decisions 
and that we're willing to make sacrifices for one another. Every mother knows that to love requires sacrifice and commitment. So I guess I asked this morning, what are you doing this morning as a way of showing your love for those around us? Because Christ has left us in the care of one another with God's protection. I have to say sometimes, Lord, do you really think that's a good idea? Do you know us? Have you seen the way we act sometimes? But with great responsibility also comes the opportunity to rise to greatness. We can rise to the occasion. We can take on the task that he's left us. Do you know that today almost 40% of the births in this country are to single mothers? Single parenting is almost a prescription for poverty. We in the church can do more to assist those who have the responsibility of becoming parents because Jesus left us to care for one another and prayed that by God's grace we would be unified and we would be able to rise to the occasion. One of my favorite mothers is Irma Bombeck. She once wrote, I have a feeling that when my kids march down the aisle to join in holy wedlock, the persons with whom they're going to share the rest of their lives, I will pass them a clean nose tissue, spit on their shoes and shout, they need more work, give me a minute. I'm not finished yet. And she goes on to write, to some adults, it's like admitting defeat. We're so committed to hanging in there until it, they at least know the basics. They should know that towels belong in the rack, not on the floor. They should know that when they receive the Nobel Prize, they're expected to say thank you and maybe follow up with a nice note. Apparently, the job of mothering is never really over. Well, the Lord is not finished with us yet. They need more work. Give me a minute. I'm not finished yet, says the Lord. Okay, well, maybe he didn't say that, but uh, he is our heavenly parent. And I imagine God has sometimes shaken his head as he's looked at us. But with remarkable love, with love that goes the distance, with love that's sacrificial, God has loved us. And God still loves us. And he's left us to care for one another. But he's not left us alone. We belong in the family of God. We are loved and commanded to love one another. That's a huge responsibility. One we're not capable of. We're not ready for. To love one another all the way into the life that is to come. Let's rise to the occasion. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we do thank you.
that we have known love in this life and we will know love in the life to come. And that through all of it, your love can be the ground upon which we build our lives. Gracious God, thank you for the mothers that you have given us. Thank you for the grandmothers and the heritage, our family heritage. And thank you for the church. Thank you for people of faith who have passed on your love to us. Receive our thanks, O God. And empower us to keep the commandment to love one another. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.